Sorry to show yourself a poor workman, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, but equally divide the word of what? Of truth. Go to it. Second Timothy two fifteen. Let's look up to the put to the front there and read together, please. Shall we want to go? Give me the King James version on this one. Study to show yourself approved unto God. You don't read Bible. You study Bible. If you read Bible, it doesn't make a meaning to you. How, with what do you study? Intellect. There's a song that we sing, Take my life and let it be. And one of the verses, Take my intellect. So, I want to start this meeting by helping you recognize God expects you that every academic knowledge you have should be applied to the knowledge of the word. The fundamental reason for error is lack of intellectual knowledge of the letters. When people do not have the intellectual knowledge of the letters, they misunderstand the, communi- the, 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 the um, intention of the letter and then miscommunicate. This is one of the fundamental recipes for failures of many who go to church. Why I'm saying this is because last week I began to teach you about what is this church about? What is the uniqueness of Christ's faith tabernacle church on earth? You know, somebody has asked me before that why is God raising many more churches and giving them different names? He said, why is it not all the churches in the world are one? You know, people who ask such questions, they are skeptics. And I said to him that, number one, all the children that you have, they don't bear one name. They only have one surname. Neither are they the same. They have various functioning and various areas of grace. So the reason why God raises churches and gives them names is because he raised each church for a particular function. And whoever is the one that God has sent to pioneer has a duty to let the people know who are we, what are we, why are we. For Christ's faith tabernacle, Jesus appeared to me in an open vision, February 1984. I was a lance of mapping scientist when he did so, did appear to me. And this changed the course of my life completely because he revealed to me about Christ's faith tabernacle and showed me that Christ's faith tabernacle told me that he said, go back to London and start the work. He told us where to start. That is the reason why over the years, despite the fact that there have been a lot of um, pressure to go to the U.S., to move to the U.S. for the past 27 years, I have insisted, I have gone to the U.S. to do works and help churches plant church there, but I would not move my base. There have been a lot of temptation recently to move my base to Germany. I would not move my base because when Jesus appeared to me, he told me to go to London. And when he told me to go to London, it is by vision 
that Jesus revealed to us the first building that we were using. We were holding a meeting on Wednesday, and Jesus gave me an open vision and said to me, look at this building, tell everybody here to meet you there this Sunday by 2 p.m. Pastor Debbie was there, Pastor Adisa was there, Pastor... Um, um, uh, uh, Pastor Sidney was there uh, Pastor Isaac's wife was there And a good number of people Were there with me who are sitting here today And I said to the people Do you know this Building called All Saints Church and they said yes We know it and I said that You know where is the place They said New Cross Road I said well I've never been going to that Area I don't know the church And they described it to me from New Cross Gates and I said, the Lord said to me that we all should meet there this coming Sunday at 2 p.m. That looked strange. How could you tell people to meet you in a building that you have not even negotiated? But if God said it, he cannot get it wrong. Okay? So, they all came. I went the second day, looked for the building. I found the building. When I found the building, I saw um, a telephone. And which was for Father Owen. So I, I phoned him and said, look, sir, can I come and see you? He said, yes, yes, I'm at home. Come over. And I went to his house. And when I got to his house, Reverend Father Owen said to me, young man, what, do I, what can I do for you? I said, we were praying yesterday. And in our meeting, I saw an open vision. And in that vision, the Lord Jesus told me, tell the people, meet you in that church this Sunday by 2 p.m. Reverend Father Owen is a, is a Reverend Father who pastors High Mass Anglican Church. And he looked at me. He said, okay, do you want your coffee? So I said, I want coffee. He sat me down and he went and he made the coffee for me. When he came back, he said, young man, tell me what did you say? I said, we were worshiping yesterday and the Holy Spirit showed me an open vision. And Jesus said to me, go tell your people to meet you at this church in New Cross all Saints Church, this Sunday by 2 p.m. And Reverend Father Owen said to me that in our church, we just don't decide. We have board meeting once in a month. And we just had one last week Thursday. And I, it, it is not procedural for me to tell you to come and start service there because we have to discuss it and agree it. He said, but you know, something is telling me that God really spoke to you. This a pure uh, 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 Anglican high mass, which is Roman Catholic, inclined. Which some of you think they don't hear God. But they do hear God. Really, God speaks to every heart. Every man. And so, he now said, okay, after giving me some cookies and stuff like that, he said, let's go. He said, what I would do is this, because I have a conviction that God is speaking to you. I will override our procedure and you will meet in that church. He said, he said to me, we never give our sanctuary to any Pentecostal church because of our way of life. He said, we have icons all over the place and we, they are sacred and we don't want anyone that would desecrate them. He said, but I felt very much in my heart that God spoke to you. He said, let's go. And he showed me the church, showed me where we put our instruments and everything. And the next Sunday at 2, I got there at 1, and members came at 2 to worship. 
This is how this church started. Fourth of March, 1990. Now, I can tell you many more encounters that I have gone through over this church from that time or pre that time to this time. And everything that we have moved by is by visions, open vision, by revelation. In this church over the past 27 years, because by uh, next month, um, uh, you know, end of next month, we start our 27th year anniversary into 4th of March, we have seen Bible manifest. We have seen God do miracles in this church across the miracle line. We've seen blind eyes, we have seen blind see, we have seen lame walk, we have seen dead raised. We have seen transformation of various kinds. And out of this church, members of this church have gone out, you know, looking for better life. And they, they stopped in some cities and they found out there was no church. And they started sharing with one person, two people, four people, and church emerged from it. This is how our church in the Republic of Ireland was born. By one of the medical doctors who left here, to migrate to Ireland, and his wife was a lawyer, and then another one joined them, who is also a PhD holder in, in uh, electronics, Dr. Uh, Adekwaju, and his wife a pharmacist, and then the one who is a pharmacist and electronics moved into Limerick, and the church started in Limerick, uh, while the one that was in, in uh, where they all started first of all in Ennis, and then they moved to Limerick, and just started in Limerick. And one of them moved to, to Dublin for work and church started in Dublin. Out of this church, one of the members, brother, um, then brother, brother um, Billy, moved out of the church in New Cross to Birmingham because God gave his prophecy about Birmingham. And we went and we prayed over Birmingham and then he received in his spirit that God wants him to make the prophecy happen. And he moved to Birmingham. And then, you know, he went from one place to the other, eventually spoke to one, spoke to two, spoke to three, and the combat got together, and the Birmingham church started. And he called to the base for a pastor to be sent to help pastor the church. And the Holy Spirit told me he is the pastor. And I went to Birmingham. He was expecting a pastor to come with me, inaugurated the church, and I called him out and ordained him. The same thing with Ireland. The, the, the members who went to Ireland were not even deacons. They were members of the church, ordinary members of the church. And then when we got there, they were asking me to bring pastor. I said, I'm coming. And I had God, clean, clear. And when I got there, I called them out and I ordained them as pastors. This is how these people became pastors of their parishes. And this is how the parishes started. We are getting close to our anniversary, and I need to help you understand who Christ with Tabernacle is. If you look at that pattern, of course, you will discover that it's different from many churches. We are unique. The reason why it is so with Christ with Tabernacle is because Jesus told me the uniqueness of this church is to build a church like the book of Acts. The Lord told me. What is about the book of Acts? Every human being in that church is significant. Everyone that God brings into the church in the book of Acts is significant. There is nobody here who hasn't got a calling upon their life. God gave gifts to men. Jeremiah chapter 2 tells us that from verse 1 to 4. 
Before you were born, God designed you for a purpose on earth. And then God put all the abilities in you, waiting for the time you will say yes to God. And when a man says to Jesus, I surrender my life to you, then the next thing is, you were born again, you are saved. But the next thing is, you will find a church. The purpose of church is not to gather people, make them feel happy, or hype them up and send them away. That's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church, therefore, is to build the God in you. That is, the spirit that God has put in you, the grace God has given you. To build your human mind to the place whereby you can understand that big God inside you. And you can begin to understand the grace inside you so that in your life on earth, you begin to use those gifts. Let me say this. Everyone who uses their gifts are the blessing to humanity. Everybody has something to offer on this planet earth. Both spiritually and intellectually. But for you to be intellectually relevant, it depends on the university you went or the school of learning that you went. You have to go to school of learning to be relevant in career, in profession, in intellectualism. Same thing with church. You don't go to church to play. You don't go to church to have association. You don't go to church because you just got to go there. You don't go to church because your parents went to church. You go to church because you found the God of the church. And you go to a church where you can be built up. Where you are relevant. And so, the church of God therefore has an obligation to teach the people about Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Not to make people religious. So that people can manifest the power. That is Christ with tabernacle for you. It's a church where everyone is relevant. I believe in every one of you. If you look at, therefore, the way that our operations and life has gone has been exactly like the book of Acts. If you look at the book of Acts in chapter 13, it says that in the church of Antioch were prophets and teachers, and he mentioned all their names, and then it says in the next verse, and the Holy Spirit says, separate for me Paul and Barnabas for the work for which I have ordained them. And then in the next verse 4, it says, after they have fasted, they lay hands on them and they send them forth. So, branches are born by the Holy Spirit here. If any one of you is called, I give you the same food to eat. By the food that you all eat, those who are prophets will manifest as prophets. Those who are teachers will manifest as teachers. Those who are pastors will manifest as pastors. Those who are apostles will manifest as apostles. And evangelists will be raised among you. And as God raises you, you manifest the gift. The Holy Spirit drives you into the field that you are supposed to be established. So we do not send pastors out. So that those who are pastoring are people who had the voice. And they went. And neither do we break the church and say, you group go and form a church over there. We don't do that. We don't do that. Because the Bible tells us that in the book of Acts, they all remained in Jerusalem until persecution arose. And in chapter 8, verse, verse 4, let me read that to you. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Now, it says those who had been scattered preached the word wherever, wherever they went. Everybody preached the word. Everybody preached the word. Everybody preached the word. Not just the apostles, not just the ministers. Everybody preached the word. Which means everybody knew the word. 
Are we together now? And then if you look at the next verse, this is an ordinary member of the church. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. The next verse says what? Six. When the crowd had Philip, a member, not a minister, not a pastor, and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all what? Paid close attention to what he said. And this is what God expects of each one of you. Preach the word and move in signs and wonders. Not just ministers. A member of the church. If I was not a minister, I cannot be pastored by a fool. Oh yes, I can be pastored by a fool, brother. If I go to a church and all what is there is just sing and, and shout and dance and go away, I will leave the place. Because I live a meaningful life from a young man, as a young man. I look for something radical to do. Something that will have effect. Something that will be pronounced. That's the way my brain operates. Therefore, if you are here, I welcome you into the kingdom of power. Amen. Come on now. Amen. Come on now. Come on now. Where everybody is relevant. People may give up on you, I will not. People may not believe in you, I do. And I'm better than them. Amen. I don't care what they are. Someone said to my member that you are nothing. You are, you are ma- Don't reply them. The Bible says worms will eat their mouth. In the book of Isaiah. Don't reply them. If people, if people talk anything about you and say how much you are so useless, allow them to, to, to have their opinion. Their opinion is not binding on you. Jesus said to the disciples, people say this about me, people say that about me. What do you say? Hallelujah, somebody. So what I say about you surpasses what people see outside there. They will not see you because they are blind. I can see you even when you have not manifested because I have eyes I can see. There is no waste in God. Even the waste of man is recycled for better purposes. So look at yourself again and say, I am a son of the great God. Listen to me. If the great God lives in you, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Therefore, we are bound in this church to be fulfillers of the scripture. That is the reason why I gave you that book of Second Timothy. Before we go ahead, for you, you must know this. You must study to show yourself approved workman that needed not to be ashamed. Why would the Bible say study to show yourself? I told you sometime the Lord Jesus took me to heaven. And while I was seeking God for the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift. And the Lord sent an angel. I took him out of my house in London here to heaven. And when we got there, the Lord said to me, look over there. And I saw Kenneth Higgins in America in his garden. And he was relaxing. But beside him is the Bible in a broad daylight. And a glass of water. And the Lord Jesus asked me, what is he doing? Because I really coveted the grace upon him at the time. And I said, he's reading the Bible. And Jesus said to me, he's not reading the Bible. He is studying the Bible. And then he said to me, study. Then he said to me, look over there. It was Nigeria. And I saw Pastor Kumui, who pastors then. His church was the biggest in Nigeria at the time. And he was studying at 12 midnight in his office. And the Lord Jesus said to me, what is he doing? I said, 
reading the Bible. He said, no. He said, he is studying the Bible. And Jesus said to me, study the Bible. That is the key to the word of knowledge ministry. From that time, my perspective of Bible or perception of the Bible changed. I will not read Bible, a verse in the Bible, without having an understanding. Because a student who reads book of his lecture without understanding, we have nothing to write in his examination, neither could he apply anything in his artisanship. And that changed the way I see the Bible. And thank God for Jesus with my, with my new career that I've adopted now, they now expounded my brain. In reasoning. When I started to study the Bible, within six months I began to operate in word of knowledge among the church here and outside. So therefore, I'm telling you this, you must study the Bible. Let me read the NIV to you. It will give you a better understanding. It says, do your best. That is the word study. To present yourself Unto God as one approved by God, not by men. And if you look at that, you will understand that that scripture implies that for God to approve of you, you must be a student of the word who look at the word from intellectual point of view. Because Anything you do not see intellectually cannot help your physical. Those who are doctors today, those who are lawyers today, those who are engineers today, they became those professionals because they studied the field from the intellectual point of view. Because intellectual point of view gives you, uh, you know, a pragmatic reasoning, and especially when you're going to cognitive reasoning. It is intellectual point of view that helps you understand that if this is called green, why is it called green, and how is it seen as green? And anything you can diffuse, any knowledge you can diffuse intellectually becomes a tool in your finger. And a man who knows nothing becomes a builder. A man who knows nothing becomes a doctor who opens up people and then put them back again. So therefore, that is the reason why the Bible says to you, for God to approve of you as a Christian, you must study to show yourself. You must apply your intellect to the knowledge of the Bible. Don't read the Bible without primary understanding of the letter of the word. Every comma has a meaning. Every apostrophic mark has a meaning. And the words are chosen, you know, purposefully. God has a meaning for each of the words. The inability to understand that is why many Christians are not operating in power. Are we together now? Who gave knowledge? Come and answer me. So who, do we, who should we use it for most? It's God. He gave it, we use it to him most. So therefore, study to see yourself. Now, if you look at the book of Acts, therefore, which we were looking last Sunday, we are looking again at the book of Acts to see how these people behaved and what was responsible for the manifestation of the power? We saw in the first book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 1. He says, in my former book, O Theophilus, I have written concerning what Jesus began to do 
and to teach. And a great lesson we learned from there was Jesus did first before teaching. Of course, we understand the fact from many references of the Bible that you could not do what you do not understand. And the reason why many Christians do not do the scripture is because they do not understand the scripture. If you look at the book of Acts chapter 8, by the evidence of the encounter of the eunuch of Ethiopia together with Philip, when, when the angel told Philip to go and, uh, to the streets, and then he found the eunuch of Ethiopia, and the Holy Spirit said to Philip, join that man. And, the, and Philip got there. Angel starts speaking, Holy Spirit starts speaking, and Philip said to the man, understandest thou what thou readest. Hallelujah, somebody. And he said, how could I understand unless a man tells me what was the man reading about? The book of prophet Isaiah, he says, as a sheep he was led to be slaughtered, and as a shearer before his, before his shearers he was done. And then he says, of who is this scripture written about? And Philip began from that question and then told him about salvation. If Philip was not a deep knowledge person who knows the word of God very well, how will he be able to answer the question of who is this speaking? And then from there, he told him every exegesis about the Lord Jesus and then brought him to salvation. And he told him about baptism, salvation, baptism, and I'm not sure he must have told him about the Holy Spirit. So when the man got to water, the man said, you said anybody who born again must be baptized. This is water. What deprives me from being baptized? Come on, church. Study to show yourself a proof workman. Don't read the Bible. Study it. There is life in the world. The reason for fear among Christians is because they don't know the word of God. Let me say something to you. Which means that the Bible is talking about your mindset. Knowledge transforms the human mind. Let me tell you about the neuroscientist now. I'm bringing her here to come, and, to come and share with you. Because somebody who brought about this woman to me saw, after listening to the woman, he said, Oh my God, this is what Apostle has been teaching us for more than 27 years. The woman said, when she was a student, she asked her lecturer that. I believe that the mind controls the brain. And the lecturer said no. She said no. The Bible says so. The lecturer said no. So she decided to now major in neuroscience. When in her study she now found out that when Christians are praying in understanding, the front part of their brain is active. When they pray in tongues, it stops working. Which validates the Bible. When I speak in tongue unknown, okay, my mind is unfruitful. <laughs> so therefore, she validated that if the Bible says, when I speak in a tongue unknown, it means my mind is unfruitful. My spirit prays. And by testing the brain, they discovered a man speaking in tongues, the brain stopped the part of the brain that is responsible for operation stop in, in learning. And then when he speaks in, 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 in language that he knows, language of man, that part of the brain is working. Then she said that I proved myself right. That the mind controls the brain. It looks like a simple fact. It is simple. It is mathematical, straight arithmetic. 
Because if a person looks at a woman, a man looks at a woman lustfully, what is responsible? Not the brain, it's the mind. And the moment the mind lusts after the woman, then the brain will activate the senses. Listen to me. Bible is always correct. The woman said, most of diseases that people have came from their thinking. Now let me help you understand this. I think last Sunday was the time I was preaching and I said, you doctors in this church, some of you go and do research. I said, you will soon discover a machine that can test when somebody is possessed by demons or is having natural sickness. Did I not say that last Sunday? Now I was told yesterday now, the woman said, most of the sicknesses that human beings have is as a virtue of their mind. She said, when you, are, you, when you have evil thoughts or you think wrongly, it causes your brain to poison your body. I think I said that before among you, when I was teaching your power of the mind. Okay? And she said that, and that is the reason why many people are sick. That if people's mind can be developed so that they can be free from evil thinking. Somebody hurt me today, you think bad about it. Somebody this, you keep malice. Somebody that, you get angry. If you can develop yourself to the place where those things don't matter, you will be healthy, she said. Now, let me give you this, my understanding. And I want doctors to challenge me on this if it's not correct. I understand that cancer is a function of the fact that some cells of the body felt that they are under attack. And they begin to develop to, to counter it. Correct? Okay? And because there is nothing for them to fight... They continue to multiply. Yes? So it means that if we, there is a means to stop them from that false information, that remedy will be a cure to cancer. Now, get the woman right. The woman said, if your thinking is what develops poison from brain, and when that poison is developed through your mind, then your brain begins to poison your body, the cells of your body will think they are under attack and that is what causes cancer. I talk as an intellectual now. I have no any intellectual reason to, to, to disbelieve that. And she said, if a person can be reprogrammed in his mind by the word of God and stop those bad thoughts, your body will not send false message to the cells anymore. And the cells, we know that cancer cells can reconvert back to normal cells. Correct, doctor? Simple. Is that not what the Bible says that I wish above all things that you might? What? Prosper and be of good? Even as what? Your mind, your mind, your mind, your mind. Just your soul. Excuse me, there are four. Now, let us look a little bit more intellectually. The difference between an intelligent man and a foolish man is their mindset. The principle of faith is a matter of, a matter of retuning your mind. They call things that are not as if they are. In the physical, I am sick, but in the spiritual, I am not sick. And so I begin to confess that which is not physical until my human mind overthrow my physical body and my physical body respond to the faith I'm speaking and you tell me that the mind doesn't control the brain that's a wrong learning it has been disproved 
by science now. The scripture said this long ago. Listen to me. We have many things to prove it. Paul was a timid man. Alright? But he was the tallest in the city. In the whole country. Alright? And when he was ordained as a king, he was so timid that he went to hide in the rubbish. And Saul said, go bring him. They brought him out. And then Saul lay hands on him. I somewhere, sorry. Somewhere lay hands on Saul. Now, excuse me. Then he anointed Saul. And the Bible says, God changed his heart. <laughs> Isn't it by the anointing? All right. Did God change his flesh heart? No. He's talking about his soul. <laughs> so, the moment God touched his reasoning, the brain changed from a coward to a conqueror. By the touching of God's word. Because the prophet said you are a king. He felt, no, I'm not worthy to be one. I can't fight battle. The prophet said, come, lay hands on him and anointed him. And God changed his mind, his soul. And he went and led the battle against his enemies and slaughtered all the enemies. What about Gideon? When the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, Oh, Gideon, mighty man of valor. What did Gideon say? Excuse me, stranger. You don't understand. You are talking to Mr. Gideon. He said, yes, I do know. Go in this strength of yours. And Gideon said, oh my. I wish this guy knows. I am Gideon. I was born in this forest family. The least of the family. You know, clan really. And in that clan, my family is the least. And in that least family, I'm just the least person. So he's the least of the least of the least. That is exponential minus three. Excuse me, somebody. And God says, I know. But that is not what I made you to be. It is circumstances that change the mind of man. Everyone that is a failure in this world, they are failure because of the circumstances that surround them. Because of the association they grew with. And everybody that is a victorious person and an intellectual person or successful in career is because of the association that you were involved in. Association can break or make you. We may have somebody more intelligent than Prime Minister Theresa uh, uh, May here, even in the, in the, in the, in the Conservative Party. When the, when, the, when the office came up, it is possible that somebody who might be better than him was afraid. But she was bold. She stepped out. She didn't say, but I'm a woman who will vote for me. She stepped out. And one after the other, everybody, everybody fell away. What about Trump? From beginning, everybody said to him that you will never win. And he continued to win because he believed in himself. Even when the whole party went against him, he still believed in himself. Even when the whole country spoke against him, he still believed in himself. He excelled and broke through every world. He defiled the philosophy of our age because he has faith in himself. Do you know what makes him like that? Association. And what he has intellectually exposed himself to. He has some things in his heart that this shouldn't be normal. This shouldn't be normal. This shouldn't be normal. The government should do this in this case. This is not right for the country. 
and he fought. He won. Let me say something to you. None of such people are perfect. The only difference between a conqueror and a failure is mindset. Look here, let me say this to you. God wants you who believe in him to recognize. The Bible says Jesus, being very God, humbled himself even to the point of death. In Philippians 2, it says that God <laughs> exalted him and gave him a name that is above all names. That at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow. But he now said, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Oh my. That I found in the apostles. Don't let me say something to you. You will go places here. I say you will go places. I say you will go places. And this is what I have handed over to you from beginning. In this house, we do not believe in anything that is not of God. We cannot be intimidated by any power or any reasoning or anything. And I've taken you to where people dread to go. To face the machine gun in De La Vega City. And God, the head of the Yadi, is born again. And put an end to Yadi operation in De La Vega City, Spanish town, in Jamaica. To confront the witches and wizards and warlocks of, of uh, Ijebuland in Nigeria. And destroy their control and intimidation of the churches in the, in the niche city of Ikene, Sagamu, Ikweru, and the rest of them. Collected their idols and burned them as it was written in the Bible. This is a church where the Bible happens. The Bible happens here. When we got to those regions and we went to their forbidden forest, the people told us everything to discourage us. You can't enter that forest because it's for demons. And I said, the earth is the lost and the fullness. I don't know demons in my own scriptures. The only thing I know about demons, let me tell you, Isaiah 14, from verse 12. Ezekiel 28, from verse 12. And Luke chapter 10, verse 18. Jesus says, I saw the devil fall like lightning. I have given you power over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing of his by any means can hurt you. That drives me. Excuse me. It drives me. I went to, to, China, to India. They said that somebody is Sai Baba. I got the stuff and destroyed it. I said, if he's a Sai Baba, let him come and show himself to me. I went to, to Côte d'Ivoire. They said to me that the witches of Côte d'Ivoire don't allow anybody to come and preach here. I come and preach there. Let those witches come out to me. Same thing happened in, in England here, in Lansing. Worthing. And same thing in America, Casadiga. What is driving me? Bible can never lie. <laughs> Listen to me. What the Bible says about you is the true evidence of who you really are. The purpose of the church is to help you discover it. Any church that fails to do that should be shut down. Alright? I have just 10 minutes with you. Because I have to go to the third service in New Cross. Let me show you a few things about the apostles. Write this down. What are the things that I saw in the life of the apostles which I also copy? Let's go to chapter 1. It is good for you to know the word of God. Because God will approve of you. Yeah. Acts chapter 1. The fourth thing is that we learn that Jesus did before he... He thought. 
So you must be doers of the word, not just talkers of the word. I have met some people who said, you know, you don't have to quote the scriptures all the time. It's of the devil. When the Bible says that you should let the word of God richly dwell in you. And I, in Joshua chapter, uh, chapter 1 verse 8 says that this book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth. So if anybody says anything contrary to the scripture, it's the spirit of Antichrist. If you don't know the Bible to quote it like some of us are quoting it, that doesn't give you right to say that people shouldn't have to quote. Because that is what brought us to where we are. A doctor who doesn't know his, his quotation anymore, I'm sure that they will retire him straight away. Because he will have done some blunders and sent some people to the gallows. If he himself don't end up in jail. So you cannot say that. <clears throat> when you hear the word, the children of God quote the scriptures, you must be challenged by it that I must attain the same high. That's what should be in you. By the spirit of God. You can't fight the devil with, with medicine or, or law or engineering. You know, you're fighting with the word of God that is in you, in your lips. The book of Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7 says, and there was war in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. The next verse says, and he was not strong enough. They overcame him by the word of their testimony. What is in your mouth? It tells you how much you can overcome the devil. Not what you think. What is in your mouth? And if you don't choose the word of God and swallow it like Jeremiah, you cannot regurgitate it. Satan doesn't want the church of God to know this. I told you, any anointing upon me is on all of you. I'm no more anointed than anybody among you. Okay? The same anointing we have. I only use mine. And I'm telling you to wake up and use yours too. Okay? When you use yours, I'll be blessed by you. There are prophets among you doing nothing. I want to sit down. Tell me tomorrow. You will manifest this year, man. If I go to the east to preach, some of you should go to the west to do so. I have demand all over the world now, more than a man can do. But I should have people raised in this house that can go to all the places and they will do the same thing I will have done. Or the same thing God will have done through me, especially you young ones. My journey began when I was a boy. Therefore, listen. So, it says in that book of Acts. Huh? If you look at the next thing that the Bible records about the apostle, apart from doing before teaching, first thing says when they arrived, they you know after Jesus has ascended, they went back to together to the upper room, and verse fourteen says they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So Jesus' brothers were there; they were praying together. Everybody joined together to pray every day. They prayed what? They prayed what? <laughs> Come on now. So where is John Christianity if you pray only on Sunday? Okay? They prayed every day. They prayed constantly. If you know the result of that prayer, chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost has fully come, the Holy Ghost came upon them. Yes? So we know, number one, they do, they act the word, then they teach it. They do not teach what they do not do. They do, then they teach. Then they pray regularly. Someone says, how much is regularly? Look at Acts chapter 2 verse 45. Let's go from verse 2 really. Acts 2 verse 2. 
I want us to look at that together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the prayers. So, you know, a member of this church, if you are part of this family and those of you who watch me all over the world, the key is devotion to the teaching of the apostle. What I teach you, devote yourself to it. At least for this house, I am the presiding bishop. I am the apostle. And if the ordained people are pope here, I will be the first pope. Alright? I am the one that Jesus appeared to. And I told you, and you have seen him through the signs and wonders he did like he did in the Bible through me. So, what I tell you, do it. That's why I don't tell you that you are cursed. I don't believe in generational curses because they are lies of the devil. Anybody in New Testament church man can never be cursed. It's in the book of Hebrews chapter 8. I will teach you in February about no more generational curses. Really that neuroscientist said that she wonders why Christians see generational curses. She, she, she performed the experiment on it and found out that it's a lie. And she analyzed it by science. She says it's a lie. Every doctrine about faith, she showed it in the scriptures. And she showed it by scientific proof. May the Lord preserve her life for many years. Amen. I love to work along with people like that. When people like that speak, they lose me. I will bring her to come and speak. I will tell her, don't talk about Bible. You just talk about your science, what you have proved. And tell them the area of Bible that you have established. And let me open that place up. Our combination... We send the devil out of Europe. Uh, even if you don't say amen, we happen. <laughs> then we'll go to the jungle of Africa. Every forest in Africa, we set them ablaze. <laughs> Every devil will chase them out of Casadega in America and then turn to India and, and China and they will never do the day of dragon anymore. They'll be doing the year of Jesus. Hallelujah, somebody. <laughs> Listen to me. So if you look at the scriptures, therefore, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to the breaking of bread. Check this out. Fellowship, teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. Teaching is what I teach you, or anybody teach from the pulpit. Fellowship is the church. When you're closing church, don't run home. Say hi to somebody. Who are you running to? All the day from Monday to Friday, you had it to yourself, and Saturday, who knows? Some of you even walk from Monday to Saturday, you walk through three, five jobs. God help you and take you out. If somebody is doing three jobs, God's, all of the jobs is no job. Yes. A man is supposed to do one job, nine and five, and collect money. Really, when you go to higher dimensions of professionalism, they work only four days in a week or three days a week, and they, they make more than a quarter of a million. God will take you beyond there. Amen. But the way to it is to obey God. And He will set you on high. Deuteronomy 28 applies. Now look at that, what it says here. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Be friendly in church. Don't hate anybody in church. Love everybody. Don't love them because they are good. Love them because they are human beings. Are we together now? Love everybody. You don't have to love the lovables. <laughs> For God so loved. The lovables, that he gave his only begotten son to the lovables. Did you read your Bible like that? No, 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 he loved the world. It doesn't matter what they call themselves. Witches, wizards, world loves everything. Muslims, he loves them. Homosexuals, he loves them. God hates sin, but he loved man. 
And God will not compromise with sin even if, if it's legislated. It makes it more dangerous. But God loves everybody. He's the father of all mankind. So, fellowship is to love one another. Okay? Not a church where somebody is eating, you know, you know biscuit, and you can't take one of the biscuits and eat it for free. And you are afraid that maybe there is demon in the biscuit. That is not a church, it's a cult. It's really not a cult, it's an occult. Hallelujah. I close my eyes, put your biscuit in my mouth, I ate it. I ate it with love. I exchange what I have with you. Somebody is hurting, everybody is hurting. Somebody has a need, everybody rally around them. That is a church. Anything less, no church. It's a joke. A waste, waste of life. Your Christianity must be practicalized among your brethren before you go and give Oxfam. Give somebody in the household of faith. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said it. Jesus said, when he was talking, when I was in prison, you, you came to look for me. He wasn't talking about prisoners who are offenders in the physical prison. He's talking about Christians who were prisoned. That's what Jesus said in that Matthew. When I was in hospital, you came for me. Christians were in hospital. Okay? And because he said, if you do it to one of the least in the kingdom. So he's not talking about just wasting your money to Oxfam and rest of it. You give money to Oxfam is good. But Oxfam understand that for every one pound, maybe 70p or 60p is for administration. But if your brother is, is hungry and you give him one pound, the whole of the one pound will use it for food. Hello, somebody. So, what am I saying to you? Do I say don't give Oxfam? No. But do it first to your own brother, to your own sister. And then if you do it to Oxfam, God will accept it. But if you are one of those people who don't tithe, you don't give offering, people are hurting among you, somebody wear the same shoe for a whole year, you cannot notice it and you cannot buy him shoe. You see somebody in the church, he came with the same suit. Last Sunday, the same suit. First Sunday, the same suit. Then go get him a suit. Get him a suit. You know, when we started this church, if anybody buys a car, we always struggle to be the first to fill the tank. Blessed is the one who fills the tank. So, we will, we will try to, to beat one another in that area. If somebody got a new house, we will go there and buy all what he needs for him. Okay? That's what we do. Okay? You don't have a pastor who skins you, who continues to collect four offerings in a service, and begin to lambast offering with names that is not in the Bible, so that he can enrich his pocket. You don't have that here. Okay? If I give to you, which I do, then give to one another. That is fellowship. That is fellowship. And then he says, breaking of bread and prayer. Let me finish this one. Verse 43. Everyone was filled with what? Oh, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostle. Your devotion to those four things will release my apostleship. Okay? When you're devoted to those four things, you will see wonders in this that you've never seen before. Some of you went with me to my mission field. I've met some of the members who said, Oh, Apostle, but you operate differently in the mission. Yeah, because I'm in the midst of those who don't know Jesus. But when I'm in the midst of God's children, <laughs> you see, it's only to teach you. It's only to teach you. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like just kind everybody and we take a thought to heaven. I always feel like that. 
And an angel just appeared to me and I said, Hey! Everybody where we go. Hallelujah. But I couldn't do that. Many miraculous times we are done by the apostles. The next one, it says, 44, are all the believers who are together and had everything what? In common. And then the next one, selling their possessions and goods, and they gave to everyone as they had need. The next one, <laughs> shall we live together? How many days? Where did they meet? So church is daily. Christians should go to church every day. Don't tell me it is hard. It's not hard. Christians go to church every day. These guys are lawyers. They are justices. They are engineers. They are business persons and stuff like that. But they went to church every day. They broke bread in their homes. I thought some people have said that to break bread is very sacred. You know, it's not for members. If I can break bread, break bread in your house too. Communion is not more sacred than you. If it is sacred than you, why should a priest touch it? Is a priest more sacred than the members? No, 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 no. We are all sacred. You eat in the home, take the wine and take the bread and break bread and remember the Lord. This is the scripture. I'm not telling you what is... um, the liturgy that didn't work for thousands of years. They broke bread in their homes. And they ate together with glad and sincere heart. I told you something. If somebody, if you fall out with your brother in the church, you know you way to settle it. Go and knock his door with wine and bread. Once you see a brother knock your door with wine and bread, even if it is one you don't greet before, you have to greet him because if you don't, this is the table of the Lord, you contend the table of the Lord. And you cannot do that because the Lord is with him. To come and honor the communion that he wants to do. Husband and wife, you disagree. And then somebody didn't greet the other one because you are still young in the Lord. Bring bread and wine. And tell your husband, I'm sorry. Or your wife, I'm very, very sorry. Please, let's bring bread together. Whenever Christians see the bread and wine, all matters settle. Because it's the Lord himself. The presence of the Lord. I would mean now. If you have never broken bread and wine before... You need the license to do so. I give it to you now. <laughs> I give you the license. <laughs> oh my. Okay. All right. We will carry on on the first, second, and third. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But let me say this to you. On those days, I'll be reading to you. I'll be helping you understand the three, the three things that evidence Christ in a man. If a man is said to have Jesus in him, what are the three things Jesus said will manifest? I want to say this to God's people in the world so that anybody who, who is having problem with these things, you know, should just make sure they sincerely accept Jesus now. Very, very simple. The first one, you write it down, we'll look at it is that you must walk like Jesus walked. That is W-A-L-K. Your behavior has to be like Jesus. Because the Spirit of God in you will not permit you to do the things you used to do before. He will convict you of sin and of judgment of righteousness. Are we together now? So a Christian cannot just behave like you used to behave. The second thing is 
The words you speak must come from the Father. In other words, what about if you are not quoting the scriptures and I'm discussing with you? My discussion, the Bible commands me in the book of Timothy that it should be solitary. It should be within the premise of the word of God. So I would not be able to, to respond when you make me angry. In words. While I can be angry, I will not speak a word to make you angry. Because I have to check my word by the word of God. Okay? And I think, according to that neuroscientist, I'll be less, I'll be sickness free. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. Because I'm not polluting my brain. My brain doesn't poison me. Amen. My brain is blessing me. That's why the Bible says, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is a good report, if that be any virtual praise. Really, none of you should get angry and you don't greet somebody and you go to bed. Because if you die there, you go to hell. If you don't forgive somebody and you died, Jesus said it. Don't, you won't see my face. The third one is miraculous signs and wonders. On Wednesday, we have the, the, um, the victory night. First, second, third of every month, we have victory night here. Where we gather together, two hour service, and we close. We pray over the whole month, and then we look into the word of God. And last week, I started with you on the marriage seminar, which we call Family Clinic. And um, I promised you that this first, second, and third haven't prayed, covered all what we're going to pray. I'll be taking you further in the lecture of, uh, you know, marriage seminar. You know, what happened in marriage seminar is that many of you who have had bitter and bad marriage, you will see what you have done wrong that caused that. It's no demon. The devil don't have any business to marry his man because demons don't wed. When you said, I do, no demon said you did not. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. So, and when we do not know the Bible, we do many things the way we think. And then the retribute of those things come against us and we don't, we don't know what to do. That the marriage seminar helps you to know what you have done wrong and how you can remedy it. Those of you who are married, it helps you to understand what you should not do and what you can exploit because they will make your marriage better. And then for those of you who have not married, it helps you to know who to say yes to so that you will not say yes to no. <laughs> Hallelujah. You won't say yes to a no man or yes to a no woman. <laughs> you will say yes to a yes person so that when you get married, you can be happy. You know, uh, that's why we have 25 years marriage today, Elder and um, the Ganeshulani, and uh, 30 years in marriage today, Brother Alfred and Sister Florence. Oh, you didn't clap your hands. Clap your hands for them! Can you imagine? <laughs> to be in this ship for 25 years. And there is no mayday, mayday, mayday. The ship is sinking. Or somebody fell out like a hammer from the ship. Unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. So, make sure you don't miss first, second, third. I will pray with you now. Shall we stand up together, please?